morning for just a little while about honoring the king and building the kingdom. When I, when I, uh, I talked to Pastor Gene this week and I said, you know, is, uh, first question I always ask, is there anything you'd like me to share? Or is there anything you would not like me to share? And uh, he, he said this, he said, I, I trust the Holy Ghost in you. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but then he said, you know what? It's Pastor Appreciation Month. And if, if you would like, you could talk about honor. And so we're going to do that to the best of my ability by intertwining some other things that, that are near and dear to my heart when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to building the kingdom, when it, call, when it comes to honoring those that are in authority over us, uh, there are some things that we can do as individuals uh, to just be a blessing, to be an encouragement and bestow great honor where great honor is due. Amen? Hallelujah. So uh, open your Bibles first of all, if you would, with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, since we're going to talk about honor this morning, we might as well go ahead and define it. Uh, I just took a couple minutes. I, I simplified it, guys. Uh, I went to the Webster's Dictionary. Re- real simple, real easy. Uh, and it says this, honor is high respect as for worth, merit, or rank. Simply defined, honor for me is this, what I honor, I attract into my life, and what I dishonor moves away from my life. And really the same thing goes for you as well. What you honor, you attract into your life, but what you dishonor goes away from or moves away from your life. I know this morning I'm talking to a group of honorable people. Amen. I, I know, I know that because your pastor's honorable. And I know many of those that come in and teach and preach the word of God to you are honorable men and honorable women of God. And therefore, there's no other way that we can come out other than honorably. Amen. And so, so I know I'm standing before a group of honorable people this morning. Uh, I mean, my goodness, I am, am uh, just so elated to see all of the things that you guys have been doing around the church. Amen. To, to, to spruce things up and make things look good, to be welcoming to the community. You know what? That's honor. See, that's honoring God. That's honoring the kingdom. And I know many of you, uh, your blood, sweat, and tears. Or, or, you know, some of you could say, you know what? This, this, this carpet square right here, I, I glued it down myself. See, see that wall over there? I, I painted it myself. See, that's, that's honor. That's, that's living honorably. That's, that's being want, that's doing great for the kingdom of God. And so by, by doing what you do, by being here this morning, uh, by being so uh, ready to receive the word, so happy to jump into worship. Those are all things that, that honor the king. But it also positions us to build the kingdom. 
to build the kingdom. And so uh, here in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at two, two verses that say almost uh, the same thing to us. Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 8 says this, there, or let's skip up to verse 7. It says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Who's this talking about? It's talking about you and I. Praise God. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And the, the greatest thing that we see is the preceding verse in, in uh, chapter, or I'm sorry, verse uh, 7. It says that, that he gave grace to the measure of Christ's gift. What does that mean? That means you have the ability, I have the ability to carry out what God's called me to do through the gift he's given. And the cool thing is, we don't have to do what somebody else is doing. All we have to do is what we're called to do. What we're graced to do. Amen. Glory to God. Why? Because that's the best thing you can do for the king. That's the best thing you can do for the kingdom. And that's the best thing you can do to honor your pastor in helping to build the local church. Hallelujah. Amen. Is to walk in what you're called to walk in. Do what you're called to do. Why? Because if you don't do it, Who's going to? You'll leave a gap. You know, in, the, in our natural bodies, there are some things we can do without. There are. I mean, you know, you can, you can live without an appendix. You can live without a spleen. You can live without a gallbladder. There are some things you can live without. But your body doesn't function the way it did before those things were removed. And that's the same thing that happens with the body of Christ. We could live without you. But there would be something lacking, something missing. Something not functioning properly if you were missing. So I want you to know this this morning. Whether you see yourself this way or you don't see yourself this way, you have been given gifts, talents, and abilities by God to honor the king and to build the kingdom. Let me say that again. Whether you recognize them or not, you have been given gifts, talents, and abilities to honor the king and to build the kingdom. Hallelujah. Uh, go with me quickly, if you would, Psalms 68. Psalm 68. Let's look at verses 18 and 19. It says, You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious that the Lord God might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with his benefits, the God of our salvation. Gifts are abundant. Gifts have been distributed. 
The question you have to ask yourself this morning is, what am I doing with what I have been gifted? What am I doing with what I've been gifted? All right, so now we're going to take a little curve here because we, we, we're talking about giftings. And through our giftings, we can honor the king and we can build the kingdom. But how are we going to honor the king and how are we going to build the kingdom? I'm glad you asked that question because I've been asking that question myself. And let's, let's go, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 12th, the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And uh, we're going to look at these, uh, these particular verses um, in several different translations because I want to bring some things out concerning your giftings, your talents, your abilities. Um, but then I want to go back and show you when you honor where you are, the benefit that it brings to your life. Because see, a lot of times we look at when we're just the one doing the honoring, when we're the one doing all the working, when we're the one always uh, doing this and doing that, going here, going there. Um, it seems like it sometimes can be one-sided. That, you know, the person over me seems to be the one that's benefiting, but what about me? Well, I, we're going to get there today. We're going to talk about the benefit you receive because of the gifts, talents, and abilities that you share with the place that God's called you to be. So here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Let's begin, uh, first of all, in the New King James Version. We want to read verses 14 through 18. And it says this, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is, there, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God, but now God. See, God gets involved from start to finish. But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body as it pleases him. Amen. See, the reason you're here this morning uh, isn't because necessarily you want to be here. I mean, you might say the music's too loud, the chairs are the wrong color. Uh, you know, I don't like the way the pastor dresses. I mean, there's, there, there's all kinds of excuses that we can make for reasons not to connect. But notice it says God places members in the body as it pleases him. See, you're here this morning because it pleases God for you to be here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're not here because it pleases God, and I believe Pastor Gene would be okay if I say this, then you need to get to where it pleases God for you to be. Amen. Amen. I got a text message this morning from a... a, a a family that's been attending the church for a while, and and uh, they they just texted me and they said, Pastor, we we just got back from our vacation. 
We're, we had a great time, but we want you to know by the leading of the Holy Ghost, we're going back to the church that uh, I came out of before I met my wife. See, that doesn't bother me. Because, see, I realize that I'm not called to pastor everybody. I'm not called to lead everybody. But there is a fold I am called to lead. But I do have a desire for people to get in their sheepfold, to get connected to their sheepfold, and be effective in doing the work of the ministry to which they're called. Because if, if they're in my place, not needing to be there, not wanting to be there, not desiring to be there, not called to be there, then there is a place somewhere that is suffering because they're not there. So we, we and we teach this, we have a new, what we call our new beginnings class or a membership class. And one of the things we teach about is finding a good church home. And uh, we talk to them very descriptively about, hey, listen, if this isn't your church home, that's okay. Let us help you find your place. Because, you know, sheep get scattered. Jesus said that. He was moved with compassion because they were sheep scattered, having no shepherd. And so more than anything, I desire that people be plugged in where they're supposed to be plugged in. And I'll pastor who I'm supposed to pastor, and everyone else will pastor who they're supposed to pastor. So it's important that we allow God to sit us in the place or place us in the place that he has for us, because that's where we will be able to give our greatest supply, but it's also the place where we'll receive our greatest supply. Amen. Glory to God. Now we're going to look at these same scriptures um, in the easy read, um, beginning in verse 14 through verse 18, says this, And a person's body has more than one part. It has many parts. The foot might say, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. But saying this would not stop the foot from being a part of the body. The ear might say, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. But saying this would not make the ear stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, it would not be able to hear. If the whole body were an ear, it would not be able to smell anything. If each, of you, if each part of the body were the same part, there would be no body. But as it is, God put the parts in the body as he wanted them. He made a place for each of them. So I want you to know today, if you're here, if this is where God's called you, whether you feel like it or not, there is a place for you. There is a, not only a place, but there is a place of duty. There's a place of work. There's a place of elevating the gift and the calling of God upon your life. It's here. There is a place for you, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel like. Well, you know, they just have too many rules. Well, honor the rules. Abide by the rules. Why? Because when you honor the, when you honor the process, promotion comes. Elevation comes. 
Hallelujah, y'all shouting good, but uh, wait till we read this in the message. Because that's where we're going next. We're going we're gonna to start in verse 14 in the message, but we're going to read through the remainder of the chapter. Why? Because we are all the body of Christ. And uh, this is really starting to set us up for where we're going to get to. All right, are you ready? All right, verse 14 in the message. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all, the, it's all different, but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Oh, now we're starting to dig in. Why? Because there's not one of us in this room that's more important than the other. Not one of us in this room is more valuable than the other. We are all valuable and precious in the sight of God. And if this is the place that God has called you, you have great value here. You bring great value to this place. You bring great value to the people. You bring great value to your pastors. And you bring great value to those that are on their way coming to be the, to, to this place to hook up and connect here. Amen. So the reason that he put us all together is so that we could function like a well-working body. Hallelujah, where there's nothing lacking and there's no one saying, hey, I'm more important than you, you're more important than me. No, we're all in this together. We all have our part in the body of Christ. You know, I may stand in a uh, spiritual leadership office, you know, the office of a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, teacher. But that doesn't mean that I'm more of value to the body than you are. We bring value to the body we're called to. When we say yes to that place, when we say yes to the call, when we say yes to the giftings and the talents and the abilities on the inside of us to allow them to be used in the place that we're called, we bring great value and we're all important. We're all important. Hallelujah. Praise God. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. <laughs> you take yourself out of the place you're to connect, you become insignificant. 
See, a, a reservoir is only good if it has inflow and outflow. Because if there's no inflow and there's no outflow, it becomes stagnant. It becomes dead. It becomes useless and worthless. But if it has an inlet and it, if it has an outlet, the water is always fresh. There's always something building. There's always something growing. <laughs> That's why it's important to connect where God's called you. To connect with the local church and, and not just show up because there's a service going on, but show up and connect. Become a part of what God's doing here. Amen. With, not only with, with your finances, but with your time, with your talents, with your abilities, with the giftings that God's put on the inside of you. Why? Because when you connect, there's an inflow and there's an outflow. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Listen to this, an, enor an enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. <laughs> what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or telling foot, you're fired, your job's been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye for an instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you're concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. See, your responsibility isn't look, to look around. Your responsibility is look within and look at the reflection in the mirror of yourself. Why? Because you're only responsible for you. You're responsible to the call of God. You're responsible for the giftings of God. Hallelujah. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I don't know, those that, uh, you know. Look at this. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention, the parts we don't. The parts we see, and the parts we don't. If, if one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. And in the healing. If one part flourishes, other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. See, if you want meaning in your life, in your ministry, in your call, in your giftings, you must connect. You must connect. If you want meaning to come to your life, you have to connect. You need the connection. I need the connection.
You know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I've been pastoring for 22 years, uh, but every pastor needs a pastor. What? I need that connection. Why? Because I need an inlet. I need s- things being spoken into my life. Amen. Of course, the Bible also says that there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Hallelujah. And so I want to be safe. I want to be counseled. I want to be right. Hallelujah. So if if you want real meaning in your life, you have to connect. Except your part of that body, does your part mean anything? You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which in his body, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body and not a, not a gigantic, unidimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. And yet, listen to this, and yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. It's not a competition. We're building a kingdom. We're not building my kingdom. We're not building your kingdom. We're building his kingdom. So it's not a competition of who looks better, who can teach better, who can do this and who can do this. Well, I I can't do that. Amen. The the person cleaning the bathrooms is, is, is just as important as the one teaching and preaching the word. Why? Because people aren't going to come back to the church if they have to use a dirty restroom. It's not a competition. Amen. We ha- again, it comes back to us as individuals recognize what we're called to do and doing that. Why? Because that is the gift of grace that you've been given, or a measure of Christ's gift that you've been given. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm not a singer. You would not want me trying to lead praise and worship. Now, I know a few tunes, and, and I know how to get into the presence of God, and I know the Bible says to make a joyful noise. See, so there's some things I qualify for. Amen. But it's, it's really not for public worship. It's for my private worship. So I understand that, that leading worship in a public congregation is not my calling. So I'm going to leave that to the folks who do it. Why? Because number one, I don't want you to cry. Or maybe laugh at me. I'm going to stay in my lane. Why? Because I have no grace. And I'm going to leave that lane for someone who is graced. Why? Because if that means that if I'm not graced to to lead worship, that means that there someone else is. And I don't have to compare myself with them because, I mean, y'all can sing around here. Y'all sing well. But what benefit would that be of me to sit here and compare myself and beat myself up for what I can't do 
but yet step into the place that I can and do what I'm called to do. Amen. What does that do? That honors the king and it helps to build the kingdom. Hallelujah. So when we find our place in the body, when we don't compare ourselves among ourselves and fulfill the call, fulfill the grace, or walk in the grace to fulfill the call, amen, we honor the king, we build the kingdom. We also, by walking out and putting a demand on our value. I know a man in in our community who has a trust. He gets $5,000 a month. However, this man, now, now listen, I'm not making, I'm not poking fun. I'm, I'm not, But this man, by choice, chooses to live on the street, pushes a shopping cart wherever he goes full of stuff, digs through dumpsters, eats from the dumpsters. Why? Because he doesn't put a value on what he's been given. So if you don't put a value on the gifts, the talents, and the ability that God has given you, you're falling way short of not only honoring the king and building the kingdom, but really you're dishonoring your shepherd by not helping to to build the flock. Because see, when, when you know, sheep look at the flock, many times the sheep look at the shepherd and say, okay, shepherd, how are we going to build the flock? Well, we learned in Genesis that everything reproduces after its own kind. So, so we could say that sheep then beget sheep, shepherds then beget but yet the sheep look at the shepherd to build the flock. So if we do not value the gifts, the talents, and abilities that God's given us on the inside, we put the pressure on the wrong place to build the flock. But if we appropriate our, properly appropriate our value, then we put the responsibility back where the responsibility lies and we take all the pressure off of the shepherd to do what the shepherd's called to do and that is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen, that's Ephesians 4, 12. Amen. So it's, it's vitally important for us to put proper value on what God's called each one of us to do Because when we put proper value there, we'll see that it's okay for us to reproduce ourselves in someone else. But when we don't value, any of y'all ever call yourself stupid? What'd you do? You devalued. Devalued 
And so when you devalue yourself, then you look at yourself as not worth replicating in someone else. Let me bring it back a little closer. Maybe some of you um, grew up in a single family home. Or you grew up even in a double parent home. But, uh, you know, dad was, you know, not the dad you desired. Because he didn't give you the things that, that you needed. Now, you put a, you know, roof over your head and food on your table. But, you know, we need more than just a roof overhead and clothes on our back and food on our table. We, we need that emotional connection. We need the, the love of a father. And many times what happens is if we didn't get that from our own father or our own mother, and then we have children of our own. Unless we're in a good church, receiving a good supply, we don't see our worth of replicating into our children and so the pattern continues over and over and over again so we have to begin to value who we are and what we have because then and only then will we replicate that into others hallelujah praise god all right now we're, we are going to hit ephesians chapter 4 again uh, if you would with me, and my goodness, time goes so quickly. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to skip the New King James just for time's sake, and we're going to look at this in the uh, easy read. And uh, we'll start here in uh, verse 16. It says, And the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together, with each part doing its own work. This causes the whole body to grow and to be stronger in love. See, this just solidifies to us what I just talked about. When we value our place, when we value what's in us, we connect, the body grows, and it's edified in love. When we do that, again, we're honoring the king, we're building the kingdom, we're honoring our pastor by building our local church, and you and you, we, we talked about this a moment ago uh, when we began, and we say, "But here I am doing all the work, and they're getting all the credit." I'm just gonna quickly say this: uh, these four things. When we honor the Lord, and we honor the gift He's given. And we honor our leaders. In return, the Lord honors us. If we honor the Lord, and we honor the gifts He's given, and we honor our leaders, in return, the Lord honors us. Amen. 
Go with me, if you would, um, just in case I run out of time, let's go to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Ruth, chapter 1. If you say, Pastor, I don't know where that's at. If you find the book of 1 Samuel uh, and go back one chapter, you'll run right into Ruth. Ruth chapter 1. It's a great story. Tragic story. But it's a great story. And um, I'm going to kind of skip through for for lack of time uh, or to save some time because, man, I could keep you here till 3. And and I know y'all would stay with me. Uh, But uh, it's not always necessary. Amen, because uh, we can get the, the points done quickly. All right, Ruth chapter 1, um, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a, f- a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion. Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Eliamech, uh, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives among the women of Moab, and the name of, of one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, so the women survived her two sons and her husband. That's the tragic part of the story. Her husband and her sons died. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of... Return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she sent out from the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each each to her own mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight that should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. See, now, now the story gets a little more interesting. Because one daughter-in-law, 
And the other one grabs hold. Grabs hold. See, there are going to be some things that, that come up in the church that are not perfect. There are going to be decisions that you don't like. There are going to be people that come in that rub you wrong. All reasons to... But what should we do? Should we be like Ofa? Or should we be like Ruth? She clung to Naomi. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And whatever wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth's not going anywhere. See, when we find our connection, when we find our place and we understand our value, there should not be anything on earth or anything that comes from hell to earth that could separate us from the place that God's called us. It just shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It should not be. We should have the, the attitude that Ruth had. <laughs> don't tell me again to leave. Don't tell me again to get out of here. This is my place. This is my home. This is my people. We're going to worship our God. We're going to stay true to our pastor. Amen. To the vision and the plan that God's given them. Why? Because there's fixing to come some things for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let, let's continue on. It says, now the two of them went until they came, verse 19, they came to Bethlehem and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them and the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came to Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants, Who was in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? 
Now the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And he said, Please, she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. So now notice, Ruth didn't just uh, honor her mother-in-law. Uh, she began to put her hand to work. She didn't just sit back, watch TV, and, and depend on Naomi to take care of her, but she went out and put her hand to something. See, the reason God's given you giftings, talents, and abilities, the reason God has given you a voice, the reason God has given you grace or the ability to do ministry is so that you can put your hand to something. So I can put my hand to something. See, if we don't do something, we can't expect nothing. But when we do something, we can always expect a harvest on that. Why? Because it's, the, it's a natural law and it's a spiritual law. It's the law of seed time and harvest. If I'm sowing something, I'm, I'm going to eventually reap something. If you're sowing something, you're eventually going to reap something. But if you're sitting back just saying, well, God's got it, you're in trouble. I'd be in trouble. But she's out doing something, and, and God puts her in a position. Look, look at the position that God puts her in. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. So I shouldn't even be here. Shouldn't be getting any benefits. Shouldn't get any blessings. Shouldn't get any favors. Look how Boaz answered. It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Notice it didn't say, Boaz didn't say this reward came from me. Where did the reward come from? It came from the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip in the place, uh, dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. 
What's happening? Favor, blessings. Why is it happening? Because of the honor that she showed to her mother-in-law. When we honor the king and build the kingdom, when we honor those that oversee us and do the work of the ministry, we put value on the gifts, talents, and abilities. I tell you what, if you are faithful and all those meetings that you would like to be in, like to be a part of, I guarantee your name will start coming up. And then an assignment will come. Maybe not an invitation to the meeting, but an assignment will come. What? To give you an opportunity. To prove your value. To prove your worth. To prove the supply that you bring and we know praise God that uh, Ruth went home blessed that day with a, a great uh, harvest of, of barley and, and then of course it says that she stayed with Boaz through the, the barley harvest and the wheat harvest down in verse 23 and then she, she still continued to dwell with her mother-in-law and then thank God for mother-in-laws. So most people cuss their mother-in-laws. But we should honor them. Why? Because there's a reward. There's a reward. <laughs> and it doesn't come from your mother-in-law. The reward comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, Naomi starts having this um, conversation with Ruth. And uh, Naomi says, Ruth, Boaz is down at the threshing floor and they're having a party tonight. And don't approach him at the threshing floor, but after he's eaten and after he's drank and after he's on his way to bed... Go lay down at his feet. Notice, didn't say lay down with him. Seduce him. Manipulate him. <laughs> Compare yourselves among yourselves. Right? She said, go lay down at his feet. Let me find that here. Verse 4. Wash yourself, anoint yourself, put your best garment, go to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. You shall go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went. When Boaz eaten and drunk, his heart was cheerful. 
He went down to the end of the heap of grain, came shortly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled, turned himself, and the, there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord. Notice, she didn't give herself a title or a position or a place in his life, but because she was honoring her mother-in-law and continued to take care of her mother-in-law, all of a sudden, now Boaz recognizes the gift, recognizes her value, and desires to give her a place in his house, but he's not going to do that and go against protocol because Boaz also is an honorable man. Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning. What does that mean? That means we got to stay consistent. We can't, you know, live up one day and be a train wreck the next. But consistently, we're to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. We're not to go from the mountaintop to the valley, mountaintop to the valley. Amen. We're to be ever increasing. Glory to God. So at the beginning that you did not go after the young men, whether rich or poor. So now he's recognizing her for her honor. He's recognizing her for how she lives. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request for all the people of, the t of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, it is true that I am a close relative. However, there's a relative closer than I. So we know they go through the whole process. He goes to the town square the next morning. He, he calls the closer relative. And uh, the, the closer relative, he wants the property, but he doesn't want Ruth. He says, I, I, in that area, I'm full. I don't need another wife. So we know, verse um, chapter 4, let's look at what Boaz says here in, um, in verse 8 of chapter 4. It says, therefore the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who are at the gate and the elder said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, 
the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathath and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Now notice, he took her as his wife. He lay with her, she conceived, and she gave birth to a son. His name was Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. A widowed young girl who honored her mother-in-law, who cared for her, who ministered to her, who went and worked so they could eat, keeping her hand to the plow, she found favor with Boaz. Boaz recognized her as a virtuous woman. Because, not because of how she looked, not because she was a size two. but honored her because of what she did. Who she was. God honored her. See, if you'll just do you, if you'll just walk in your lane with the giftings, with the talents, with the abilities that God has given you, all the people around will begin to take notice. Did you see so-and-so? They've been at the church every night this week. Nobody asked them to be there. They just were there. And we didn't ask them to do anything. But, but man, they, they came in and they, they swept in all the chairs. What's that doing? That's having an ability. Staying in your lane. Doing the work. Not because you have to, not because you've been called to, but just because you want to. You want to engage. You want to connect. Why? So that you have the inlet and the outlet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For time's sake, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Story of Elijah, Elisha. Y'all know the story. Elisha wanted what Elijah had. Elijah tried to get rid of him on multiple occasions. But Elisha said, uh-uh, I'm sticking with you. And then finally Elijah said, okay, Elisha, what is it that you want? Elisha said, I want a double portion of the spirit, of your spirit. But you have to be with me when I depart. Well, I'm sure Elisha thought, man, this is going to be a hard task. He's already tried to get rid of me three times just today. <laughs> but it says that shortly after, chariot came, went up, was gone. Elisha tore his clothes. Picked up Elijah's mantle, walked back to the river. 
put a demand on God, smote the water with the mantle, river parted, he walked across on dry land. And what happens there in, uh, look at this, verse 15. Now the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said. Notice, Elisha wasn't self-promoting. He, didn't, he wasn't handing out flyers. He, he didn't change his name from Elisha to prophet Elisha. But it says, now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to him and bowed to the ground before him. Notice he didn't go to them and said, hey, look at me. They saw and they honored. When you value what God's put in you and you walk in the grace that God has bestowed upon you. People will come and say, hey, how are you able to do this? You'll be recognized and you'll be promoted because what you honor, God honors. And when you honor what God honors, God honors you. When I honor what God honors, God honors me. So if we honor the king, we build the kingdom. If we honor our pastors, we take what we've been given and we help build the flock. We don't need a title. We don't need a position. I don't need to look like somebody. I don't need to do what somebody else does. I just need to do what I do. Because when I do that... God will promote me into that place He wants me. Amen? He'll promote you into that place that He wants you. Hallelujah. Would you bow?